BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. We thought we'd take a look back at just that whole experience and it's kind of funny being here again has kind of brought up some of those memories so we're that, gonna kinda, a lot of them just driving in and yeah. seeing this building where we're sitting what are we about 200 feet from uh, u.s bank stadium where the eagles won their only super bowl and it's nice to be uh in the car right now it's really cold out yeah it's not as cold as when we were here in 2018 yeah i mean if you think about it then this is actually like pretty toasty it's actually like 35 degrees warmer because it was minus five back then. It's 30, yeah. but it's windy. It's snowing. It's Minnesota weather. It is. Yeah. Minnesota so, knows how to greet us. <laughs> they, they certainly do. Um, what did I say when we got here? F Minnesota. <laughs> you, you may have said something to I that effect. Something like that. Uh, yeah, so we thought we'd, we'd take a, a walk down memory lane. <laughs> And, uh, and kind of just remember, because it was such a bizarre experience for both of us. Uh, cover You had covered Super Bowl before. This is my first Super Bowl. Um, so this was a, a chance for And we've been to Jacksonville, too. <laughs> Somebody have, just yeah. drove at us and stared in the car like, what are these guys doing? I get that. I'm probably going to get the <laughs> cops called on us. Yeah, we were just in Jacksonville uh, two months ago. But, uh, yeah, it's, it is pretty cool being back here. And uh, it, it's funny how the memories do come flooding back when you – you just see different things that trigger different memories of, of that game that day and, and just the whole week we were here. Sure. So we're going to kind of go through chronologically. That's the only way to really do it. They're, they're, I'm sure we're going to remember things later on and have to jump back in, but we'll try to give it some sense of order here. <laughs> Why uh, start now? <laughs> but let's start with the NFC Championship game, which is, to me, it was an incredible game that's so forgotten because the Super Bowl came after it. The NFC Championship game was unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was over at halftime. It was over, yeah. And the second half was a party on the sideline. Yeah, and so that reality just kept kind of it, it hit you very early that you know this team's going to the Super Bowl. This you know this whole we're all going there, and you know people were making flight reservations and and hotel reservations before that game was even over. Oh yeah, you could have done it at halftime. I did. <laughs> did you? I did. Yeah, I I remember um, just the the sideline just like dancing for the entire second half it was unbelievable uh and it was it, it all tied in so well together because obviously they were playing the vikings and they had a chance to win that game and play in the super bowl in their own city and it's it's kind of created this rivalry it's a strange rivalry between the eagles and vikings more so between their fans because right. a lot of the fans thought they weren't treated well in philadelphia um, Boo-hoo. Yeah. I mean, oh, they didn't treat us nice. Uh, we were treated well in Minneapolis. For the most part, yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought everyone was nice. There but were, it, it there was nice people out here. My first my first memory of, well, our, my very first memory was when we flew in, I guess, what did we fly in, that Saturday? I guess the Saturday before mm -hmm. the, the Sunday before the Sunday of the games. And um, walking around the Mall of America, 
and just hearing these Eagles chants everywhere, everywhere in that. And the mall, Mall of America is like what is the largest mall in the world, and you'd hear them echoing like around the mall these Eagles chants as more and more Eagles fans arrived in town, and and it just got it got more and more. So by the end of the week. Um, I mean, that's all you heard. You would walk around the mall, and there was literally thousands of Eagles fans. It was pretty cool. And I remember, so I remember the first thing we did when we got here, you had a rental car. We hopped in, and we drove right here to the stadium. We weren't far from where we are right now. And they were there were these Vikings, big giant banners. Like, how big were they? Oh, gosh. They were huge. They were like, um, they had to be... Two miles wide? <laughs> Is that, that too, not that big? They were huge though. They were on the side of the like hundred feet by forty feet. Yeah, and they were they were Vikings ones, but they were they weren't taking them, but they were replacing them. And the two they were putting up, one was Nick Foles and one was Brandon Graham. How surreal was that? That was like that was for me the first moment where it sank in. Like, oh wow! Like Brandon Graham's on a giant billboard <laughs> in Minneapolis. In Minneapolis, like this is really happening. Yeah. And uh, it, I think there were a few of those moments where it really kind of sank in that, oh crap, the Eagles are going to play in the Super Bowl. And it was. Remember the other thing we saw when we were in downtown Minneapolis that week? We uh, we were driving around. We saw the bar that had the sign, yeah, uh, free beer for Eagles fans thrown at you or something like that. Yeah, it, it turned out to not be a bar. It was like a private place, it was a private club or something. Whatever. Eagles fans kind of took over this city, really in a big way, and uh, it was impressive because you figure most Eagles fans that like to travel to games, they've already like, you know, wiped out their budget. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to Dallas or you go to wherever. You know, you go to Chicago, and then now it's February. Like, how much money do you have left over to fly to Minneapolis on short notice? So yeah, the flight's expensive, and the hotels, as you know, were like you know five hundred bucks a night, unless you were way out of town, Dave. <laughs> um, and but the the number of Eagles fans was it was astounding. It was, and I think it was one of those. It was I don't care what it costs, I'm I'm going to be there. And I, I ran into a bunch of people that week who kind of said the same thing, like it. Like I would have paid ten times more than this. Like yeah. there was no way I was missing this game because I, th- I think we all kind of felt it that like this is the year. I, I don't know if you felt I, that's the way it felt to me. Is like this is the year. Like they're going to win this, um, just because of what they had been through in the entire season. It it would only be fitting to to win the Super Bowl after that kind of storybook year. Well, I just remember how surreal the whole week was and. Um, it, it, even talking to talking to the fans, it was that sense of, is this real? Like, are the Eagles really in the Super Bowl? And uh, you know, because just I mean, so much disappointment. And how many uh, times were they were they counted out? How many times did I count them out? <laughs> I think we're about to get a ticket. No, is that guy gonna? I don't think so. All right. Uh, no, it's true. It's true. And uh, you know, they were they weren't favored against. Uh, um, Gosh, were they favored in the... I don't think they were favored against the Vikings, were they? No, no. That's why the underdog masks yeah. came out. How about the Falcons were favored too, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was... Uh, Underdogs the whole way. I mean, Carson was out. Uh, Jordan Hicks was out. Sproles was out. JP was out. Uh, Chris Maragos was out. Darren Sproles? I said that. I wasn't listening. You can go check the audio. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was. there was so much working against them. But did it, you they, mention Carson? I did. Did you mention I did. that guy? Yeah. I did. It was, they, they were charmed. Uh, did you pick him in a game? Yeah. I did too. I, how could you not? At that point, I'll be wrong. I don't care. You know, like <laughs> I'm not picking against them yeah. after all that. Yeah. Uh, I think I picked them in, in every playoff game. The the first, um, yeah, I did too. I think I was, I was like, um, 
I think it was 16 and one of my picks that year, not counting the Dallas game at the end of the year. I which, think we all got to the point that year where we're like, I'm not picking against this team. The only game I got wrong was. Um, was Seattle that okay. whole year. I thought they were going to go in there and win that. I thought they were kind of ready to, to win that game. I picked them to lose to the Chiefs. But in any case, it doesn't matter. Well, uh, I, my, my first vivid memory of the week was Tuesday, and that was immediate. I don't remember anything about Monday. I remember, So the one thing I have for Monday is I got to the Mall of America where we were for the entire week. I still have nightmares about getting <laughs> yeah. lost in that godforsaken hellhole. Yeah. People keep joking with me if I'm going to go there this weekend, and no way in hell. This mall, picture like king of prussia mall times like 10 it's enormous yeah and, and i think it, like kop has like similar number of stores but this thing is like spread out there's an amusement park in the middle of it yeah uh so the first day we're all walking around the mall and we like getting our bearings and uh the neatest thing all week was just seeing players there's a marching band approaching us by the way i don't know how you feel about this there must <laughs> be a game here somewhere Anyway. Maybe they're just here. This is the Eagle Eye marching band. <laughs> uh, it must be a game. I don't know what's going on here. But anyway, we're in the, the mall, and you see all the players start to walk around, and the NBC Sports setup was, like, right next to the GameStop. So I was kind of hanging out there, and all the players were going into the GameStop and buying Xboxes because they had nothing to do in their downtime. So you just see, like, all these players. Right. And they were, like, all the all the Eagles fans that were there were, like, swarming them. and Like, Brandon Graham, Brandon Graham. Renegram. And I remember talking to Nate Gary because he's like, no one knows who I am. He was a rookie. He wasn't playing at all. Um, so I talked to him for a while. He's from South Dakota. So he he had been to the Mall of America. He kind of knew the area a little bit. So It's I'll, the closest mall to his hometown. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> Uh, so that was my first, like, memory of being here was right. just how surreal it was, like, all these players. And, like, Patriots players, too, because they were in two different hotels that adjoined to the Mall of America. So they're just wandering around all week seeing each other. I remember it was crazy because Brady was walking around and nobody even recognized him. That's not true. That's not true. But uh, it, it, it was uh, – I just remember those crowds at the mall just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I think I told you the story about – and just to get a sense of how big this mall was. And the mall was, like, the headquarters for all the media stuff, all the league stuff, all the interviews were there, all the press conferences. So we we really spent like half the week in the freaking yeah, mall. The only things that weren't at the mall were media night, which was in St. Paul, and then the actual game. Uh, they actually moved the game to the mall. The game was actually <laughs> they, at they the mall. They could played the game at the mall. It's big enough, but um, I, I think I, I might have told this story before, but I, I was walking around the Mall of America, and they had this store. It was like Minnesota Gifts. Mm -hmm. I went to that store. And I saw this hoodie I really liked. and But it was like, it was 10 in the morning. I was just arriving for all the interviews and stuff, and I was like, I don't want to carry this around all day. I'm going to go back to the store, um, you know, and I'm going to go back to the store at the end of the day, so I can I don't have to carry it around. So I'm leaving and I see Minnesota gifts and I walk in and I look on the wall where the hoodie was and there's no hoodies there. And I'm like, they have t-shirts and caps. And I'm like, did you remodel the store? They're like, no. I'm like, I was looking at a hoodie here this morning. Different Minnesota store? It was a different, it was on, I was on the, it was, there's two Minnesota gift stores <laughs> in the mall and I was in the wrong one. And that's what it's like trying to get around that place because there's like 11 Aeropostles and there's like <laughs> eight Forever 21s and there's like 13 Starbucks. And there were, the Caribou coffees are on every, every turn you see a Caribou Every coffee. level. Uh, I saw, so there was one moment where I was, I had a they had a Super Bowl 52 store like just for oh, yeah. official gear and yeah. I, I had a bunch $1,700 yeah. here yeah I had a bunch of like 
stuff I had to buy for people. So I was going in there and I remember walking around with my bag and I ran into Jordan Hicks, who also was another one who didn't play. I mentioned him too. Did you? I wasn't listening. <laughs> so he like, he had to buy stuff for his family. They don't get everything for free. No. So he was like asking me what I bought. And I'm like, I'm in the middle of the Mall of America showing Jordan Hicks like beanie caps that I bought from my my nieces and stuff. It was, the stuff was so, and I didn't really spend 1700 but I spent about 400 and the stuff's really nice though. It is nice. It's and not it, the stuff you get in mail order. It's like, you know. It was cool know, to have the official stuff. The I woven few, logos. I bought a few programs. But actually, the uh, the programs that you could buy weren't the official programs. Really? The official programs, I don't know if you kept yours, it had a hologram. Yeah, it did. Yeah, so that, like apparently they only made X amount for the actual game. Yeah. Yeah, I still have mine. Okay, so let's... Uh, <laughs> let's fast forward. Let's go to Media Night. Yeah, that was... Which was... Uh, that was the coldest day, I think, of the... Was that Monday night or Tuesday night? It was night? Tuesday, Tuesday night. Tuesday night. That was in St. Paul at the XL Center. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, so the funniest part about that is we, we pull up to this parking area, parking garage, and it's like a nice little main street there that we wanted to go and find some dinner before the event. We had like two hours. But... And we're like, let's just walk around and find something. It was so freaking cold. It was minus seven. The the first place we saw, we're like, that that looks like a winner. And we went in there. I had, I had like a chicken pot pie. The it place was, was good. It was great, yeah. I wouldn't mind finding that place tonight. Okay. We'll maybe do that. Um, so then the, the the media night, I had never experienced this. And I, it's gotten crazier since the last time you covered a Super Bowl, right? I mean, this was insane. Oh, yeah. What do you remember from that night? I remember, uh, well, I remember a few things. I remember just the sight of Nick Foles and Tom Brady on the stage together. <laughs> and just, you know, there's Tom Brady who's been through this a million times in his life. He's, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time. And there's Nick who a month earlier was a backup and got released, was thinking about retiring. And then they're up there together on the stage. And and Nick's just got that, oh, 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 oh. And he doesn't you care. Know. That's the cool no, thing about totally Nick. doesn't cool care. cucumber up there. I remember... Um, uh, gosh, there was it was it was so crazy. I remember um, uh, trying to t- trying to talk to Dion Lewis about his Eagles days, and he wanted no part of. Talk- I did that with uh, Eric Rowe. Uh, how was he? Did you write that yet? <laughs> it's on my budget for next week. No, it's just because we had an hour with the Patriots. So I was like, I may as well try to get yeah. something. I remember uh, I asked Bill Belichick a question he didn't like, and he death stared me. Really? Yeah. That's a badge of honor. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it's a badge of anywhere. I suppose. Uh, I do remember um, it was the first time Halapulu Vadi Vaitai had spoken to the media at Media Day <laughs> yeah. in like since like week three. And he had been the starting left tackle for yeah half the year. Yeah, and he but he was never in a locker room. We never talked to him. We never we never had a chance to talk to the kid. And so uh, there's like five or six of us. I remember I was there with Tim McManus and Les Bowen and a couple other writers, and we're you know we finally cornered him, and he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to talk to us, but he started he kind started doing the interview and and uh and somebody i think less asked him you know so uh big v we we haven't seen you in a while we haven't seen you in a couple months and he said uh yeah i had a meeting <laughs> <laughs> and they were like you had a meeting for two months it was like, fun I, that I, I had treatment like there are some guys who's like, they're not good at that stuff but there are other guys who handed it up i mean Jalen mills was made for media night 
Yeah. People love Jalen Mills. He he was oh, doing an interview in Chinese. I right? saw that. Yeah. He, I, yeah. I was. I took some some pictures of that. He was doing a Chinese. He was good at it too. Mm-hmm. That's when I talked to Jason Peters, and he said, "I'm definitely coming back next year." Yeah, I remember that. I remember I got I tricked Joe Douglas into doing an interview because he wasn't. <laughs> uh, I, I was like, "Can I just? I just want to ask you, like, you know, one general thing about this, being at the show." And then I just started hitting him. But he's like, "That's it. I'm done." My uh, my my the one thing I did want to go to meeting night, and I did. Um, they put Brent Selleck on a podium, which was like a bad, at that point, you know, kind of a badge of honor just because he had been here so long. I just used badge of honor. I know that's why it was in my head, but uh, I went over and. It's seeing Brent line. Selleck at a Super Bowl was really cool. Yeah. You know, and, and to see him go out like that was awesome. Uh, yeah, that was cool. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, I remember talking to Donnie Jones that night, and he started telling stories about, like, he'd been in the league 23 years and never been in the playoffs. Yeah. And he was he enjoyed it so much. He was having the time of his life. And all those stories were just, um, you know, you could, have written a, you could have written a chapter of a book about any one of those guys. It was, um, and you know, you know what's funny is, like, they all hate us during the season. All the players hate the media. But then when you get to the Super Bowl and they see us, we're like a familiar face, and they, all of a sudden they love us. Yeah, that, that was a really cool um, aspect of it too and that media night it's such a circus but um you know when they're getting asked goofy questions by someone they've never met and some of them play along but when you actually see someone you've known for a few years or at least a few months i think it does make them feel a little better Now, whether you're doing quality work or enjoying some quality time, you need a quality truck. Get to Nissan's Truck Month and save big on our award-winning trucks like the 2019 Nissan Titan and Frontier. Shop ChooseNissan.com and your local Nissan store today. So now we're at Tuesday. Wednesday. Oh. Tuesday, right? Yeah, media night was Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. When was the media party? Was that Wednesday night? I have no, I have no idea. Uh, It kind of runs together, but they had a media party you didn't go to, you party pooper. I had work to do. Okay. I went to this... Transcribe my big V interview. I went to this... uh, I thought it was Monday night. It might have been. Maybe we're... See, I told you we'd be off track. But anyway, I went to the media party. That guy's stealing the table. (laughs) And... uh, All right. So a guy's just pulled up in a a pickup truck, and he took a... He took, like, some tables, and he's putting them in his truck. I think he's supposed to be there. How do you know? I'm not going to stop him. What do you want me to do? I'm going to go over there and... No, you're not. Wait, hang on, everybody. <laughs> that, lo- that, does, that looks fishy. He's rushing back into his white... white it's cold out. out. All right, anyway. So I'm at the media party. Hey, what's that thing? Come on, stop. What are you doing here? That globe thing going by. I don't know. All right, there's all kinds of weird We're going to have to put up blinders for you. All right, I'm sorry. I'm... This is just weird things happening. Are you there's okay? like a there's like a big giant ball going moving over there. I see it, but what I'm, is that? I don't know what you want me to do. There's about like this it. big giant. There's another one. It's part of the market. They're like these band. alien, these like ten foot high alien giant cubes, and there's people inside them, and they're moving. This and, is good podcast. I know this is terrible. Describing everything. I apologize. That goes by. Uh, so the media night party was. There's four of them. Come on, the media night party was at the Mall of America amusement park. Of course, park. where everything else was. Well, yeah, but it was in the amusement park. Yeah. So we had free run of the rides and everything so i got on a few rides the funny thing was i was on a ride and i didn't know it but um anthony from eagles pr took a photo of me i look like a little kid my feet are dangling on this ride and he just had to take it but i was in line for the roller coaster and who comes off but ronald darby the players some of the players had like been running around and riding rides that night and that's kind of when you remember like oh yeah he's 23 years old He's about to start in the Super Bowl, but he's a pretty young kid. They're all kids. A lot of them were. That was kind of a cool moment. Um, what else do you remember from the rest of the week? 
Um, a lot of it's a blur, but I, I just remember, um, like I just alluded to, just how how cooperative the players were when most of the year they're not. And uh, I remember doing a story on on Legarrette Blunt and JHI. Um, and and just how and do, it was something Deuce said who we, we were allowed to talk to the assistant coaches every day and just how how unselfish those guys were here's two guys used to be and just the way they shared the workload and it's a story we had written before but but Jay and LeGarrette separately were both so effusive about how they both knew that they for this team to have success they had to kind of put their egos and their personal goals aside and and this was what was best for the team and um, they were just so open about it, and it, it was, it, it, you know, it was. It probably wasn't the most special story, but um, those guys really kind of rose to the occasion, uh, talking about it. And um, to me, I guess that became more than just a story. It became um, kind of the the signature of that football team was just being unselfish and putting personal goals and stats aside and everybody did it and you know Jay Jai had been a pro bowler with the Dolphins LeGarrette Blount had led the NFL in touchdowns the year before and with the Patriots and I think the thing about that story that really sticks in my mind is just how it really honestly genuinely legit represented the the real heart of what that team was yeah that's cool I the one thing that was really cool to me is we got a chance to talk to the position coaches the one day and I remember I sat down for a long time with Chris Wilson who was at the time the defensive line coach and he uh, he made sure to tell me that you know we're talking about the, the Patriots didn't give up a lot of sacks Brady doesn't get sacked a lot he barely gets hit and I remember him telling me that he was really stressing with his players to not get discouraged if they didn't get to Tom Brady that you know you might only get him on the ground once but it could change the game and then of course we saw what happened they didn't get to Tom Brady the entire game and then Late in the fourth quarter, here comes Brandon Graham with that strip. Don't give it away because we're going to get to – don't give it away. Something happens. <laughs> something happens later. No I, spoilers, but something happens where that, that plays a big role. There was a story I wanted to do uh, on Doug Peterson all week. Um, just It just struck me as, you know, I don't know, ironic if that's the word, but just kind of – you know, in 1999, uh, Doug was just vilified by the fans. You know, he, he was the opening day starter, Andy's first season. Uh, he was terrible. And um, I remember him telling me back then in 99, and he eventually, you know, Donovan replaced him, and he, he moved on. He went to the, I guess, the Browns the next year. But, um, I mean, people were throwing stuff at his family and cursing it at his kids. And he, had to, he couldn't even bring his family to games anymore. It was a really hard year for him. And you look at the, you know, juxtaposition and obviously 18 years later things are a little bit different the guy's a folk hero in this city and I wanted to talk to him about that about how that experience in 99 shaped him and um, and how he kind of embraced the fans which he really did um, even though some of them were the same fans that were like you know throwing bottles at his family and you know cursing at his kids and um, but it's not the kind of thing you want to ask in a press conference with 500 of the nation's media there so I was trying to get him alone. And you know what it's like trying to get a head coach of a football team alone Super Bowl week? I mean, every second of their time is, I mean, they're running, you know, they're surrounded by an entourage and PR guys and security guys. And I'd given up on doing the story. And 
the last availability that Doug had was that Thursday uh, at the Mall of America, and um, he finished it. And um, the PR guy, uh, Brett Strosacker, I'm, I'm standing there, like shaking my head because I'm not going to get this interview that I want, and I'm not going to be able to write this story that I really want to write. And he just motions for me, "Come here, come here." And I go over, and Doug and I walk down this hallway, like in the bowels of the mall, um, that led from the ballroom to the exit. It was just this barren hallway paneling and 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 I was told you have two minutes <laughs> and I, I framed a question and Doug was great talking about it. he said you know it really hurt it hurt my family uh, it's something you never forget you know you, you think you know how to deal with adversity and um, he said but you know these fans are so great and they've really embraced me and I, I don't hold a grudge and it, it was and then I ended up talking to um, to Deuce and to Tim Houck who were both assistant coaches who were on that team in 99 and Tim Houck was great talking about how unfair Doug was treated and how you know and and just he remembered it so vividly and and I wrote that story on for Friday morning uh, for the website and um, it was just it was I was just really proud of that story and I for a while I didn't think I was going to get it yeah that is that is cool and it, and that kind of goes back to the coaches too were friendly faces for them and and I think that all that paid off like being around the team for the entire year pays off in a moment like that because there's all these national guys that they don't know and and they're they felt like they were more willing to open up to us that week uh, Nissan just made your choice for a new car an easier one than ever with their most exciting and fuel-efficient lineup. The choice is yours. Now get great offers across Nissan's full line. I have to talk about the most selfless thing I've ever done in my career. Oh. Um, so that week, we all know the Eagles were sick. There was a, a, a cold going around the team. And we didn't know it was a lot of players and we didn't know how it was going to affect them on Sunday. There was a chance that they were going to be drained and wouldn't have a lot of energy. So I selflessly got sick in an attempt to find out how long the symptoms would take. You were and really how sick. Bad it was. I got really sick and I, I, I must have gotten sick from one of the players. Um, it's probably Darby while you guys were like in the gondola together. <laughs> no, well, there, riding the tilt a whirl. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard when, when there's something, a sickness going around a locker room, it, it spreads pretty quick. It's hard it to, it's hard to avoid that. I remember asking Doug in a press conference in the weeks leading up to that about that. And he's like, well, we, we teach about washing your hands and it became like a, like a kindergarten garden lesson but uh yeah sometimes you can't avoid it and i got i was sick as a dog late in that week i remember friday and saturday there was nothing there was no availability i stayed i had a bunker in my hotel room i was getting food ordered to my room i just didn't leave i was like i'm not leaving this room until i'm starting to feel better and even by sunday morning uh I remember that old, I don't know, like cold medicine commercial where the guy's head is a balloon. Yeah. That's how I felt. And I'm pretty sure some of the players still felt like that too. So uh, that's something that we, 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 I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten about, but playing a football game when you're that drained isn't easy. And I think quite a few players had to deal with that that week. Yeah, that was that was uh, big of you to kind of go through that so you could experience That's what they were experiencing. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, game day, I remember we we Ubered over uh, to the stadium. Um, it was just getting more surreal by the minute, and uh, we got here really early, like five hours before kickoff. Yeah, it was the right move. We got to walk around the stadium, get some some shots, and it was already um, it, it was Super Bowl mode. I mean, there were there was there were restrictions everywhere and um, super security to get in. 
Which was it like that in Jacksonville too? Just I, as I much. I don't remember. You don't remember? Okay. <laughs> Probably. Know, a long time but ago. no, it wasn't. It wasn't like here. I remember we went through that little house they had set up mm-hmm. to get in, um, and it made it tough here because it was so cold. They had it inside, but it was still open air, and yeah. Uh, but we got through. We persevered, and we had a. Uh, <laughs> We could get in the stadium, but we also had a tent outside, or not a tent, a uh, like an RV outside that we shared with the the mothership NBC Sports, and that's where we kind of stayed warm. But I remember I walked in the stadium and walked around a little bit. Uh, it was such so early before the game. I didn't have field access. I shouldn't be saying this. I didn't have field access, but I so early. I I went down there. And uh, I just walked on the field. <laughs> no one said anything. Wow. So I like I walked I walked around the field before the Super Bowl. Um, it was you know why I think because I think it was like Adam Schefter was like walking out in front of me. So I just like walked with him and was chatting with him. And no one's gonna stop him. So and he broke three stories just while you were walking. <laughs> yeah, with probably him. did. Um, but that I, was cool. I remember like taking photos, looking up at the empty seats, thinking. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful cool. place, beautiful stadium. I love the stadium itself. Um, I I. I uh, I had a, we you know we we both had live hits that we had to do for the pregame show and you had to go through all these security things just to get out to that plaza and I think it was a minus eleven. It was bad that day. And um, I, I think I had three different hits and I would go back inside, back up to the press box, and back out. And the third one. So now it's like it's like an hour before kickoff and I'm out there with Gunner and there's Eagles fans everywhere and we're we're doing this this live hit on the pregame show and like 30 Eagles fans just kind of like jump in and start doing start um, doing the Eagles chant so I actually started singing Fly Eagles Fly while we were on the air live I have a video of it it's that hilarious was cool. it was it was it super was cool. cool and and uh, it, it was it, it, with each passing moment with you know you'd see more Eagles fans and, and they would just, you'd see I remember running John Spagnola who was the tight end on the 1980 Super Bowl team he was just he just came out and watched the game it's like Spags what are you doing here he's like I just want to see the game and as kickoff approached it was like this is real the Eagles are going to go play in the Super Bowl it was it was mind-blowing before the for my pregame hit it was so cold I didn't have gloves so luckily Sean Kane our producer let me borrow his but even with the gloves I had to use my other hand to pry the microphone out because yeah. like I, I physically couldn't move that hand that was holding the I've, mic I've just I've never been so cold in my yeah, life yeah me neither it was worth it though I mean it was it was obviously a really cool experience I remember Charlie Weiss was doing NBC things and he was in our I was trailer. just on with him a couple weeks ago Where he, he was in our trailer so I was just chatting with Charlie Weiss for like a half hour and about 20 minutes in I realized Oh, this is Charlie White. <laughs> I didn't know he was for a while. I don't remember a whole lot about the game itself. It's a blur. I mean, that game was so crazy, and we were both trying to write. It's, like, impossible. I remember certain bits of the game. Uh, I, I Certainly, I've gone back and watched it, which has kind of filled in the missing parts. But I don't I've know watched how, it, like, ten times. And I don't know how much of my memory is actually from my real memory or right. if it's from rewatching the game. For me, you know what it is? I didn't realize the importance of some of the things that happen until later. Like like the fourth down catch that Zach Ertz made on Huge. Like I realized at the time, oh that's a really big play, but it's, it wasn't until later that he's like if if they don't convert that they they lose the game the Patriots have the ball with yeah. the lead like near midfield I think it was right at midfield and 
that game's over. And so you realize what's happening. You know, you're able to write about it. You're able to function and, and put it into context. But not until later did it all really kind of come together, I guess, for me. And I, I remember the Philly special because I, I was did Doug really just do that? At the point, we didn't know it was called the Philly Special. We didn't know Nick Foles brought that idea to him. So at that point, it was just Doug Peterson around a trick play on fourth That's right. Down. We didn't know it, we didn't it know wasn't it was the Philly called. Special till I guess, the next day. No, that night. Or that so night, I yeah. wrote about it that night, and it was Trey Burton who brought it up and said, yeah, that it was called the Philly Special. Which was, you know, that after the game, my two stories that I had to write were about the two biggest plays in Eagles history. I wrote about the Philly Special and the Brandon Graham strip sack. I think I wrote about Nick. You and had a, Nick. And I did a sidebar on Corey that night. Yeah. I, I mean, and there were so many stories from that because it was such a crazy game. Who hasn't played since. Yeah, it's a shame. Barely. Um I remember being in Nick Nick's press conference, and the whole post game setup was a nightmare. It was strange, but real quick before yeah. at the end of the game, we're we're furiously trying to file our stories, <laughs> but it was funny because the confetti's coming down, and. I realized, I was like, oh, crap, I should take a photo of this. And I did. I, I snapped one quick, quick photo, and then I went back to writing. Uh, yeah. It, it was like that realization, oh, this is a, a moment I should probably capture. Yeah. Um, it was, I, I, and just some of the stories you heard from fans about what it meant to them and their families and, and you know, the people, guys who've been going and, and women who've been going to games with their dads and moms for decades, you know, for, and, and just generations of Eagles fans. It really, you know, you read the tweets and people are so emotional. Um, and that was, that's the coolest thing about the fan base. Absolutely. You know, yeah. it's so generational. And it's unique. I mean, maybe Chicago is similar. I guess Green Bay is probably similar, but mm-hmm. there's not a lot of cities where, you know, the same team with the same name has played in in the same part of the city. I mean, it's there's nothing. And it's not a transient city. No. I mean, for the most part, it's become a little more, but no, people be, grow up here. They live here. and They go shopping at the same grocery store. Their grandfather yeah. went shopping. It, it meant, it's a real sense of community. It meant more to Eagles fans than it would have meant to anybody else. To the Patriots fans, it would have been, ah, we want another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I just remember after the game, I was going to Nick's uh, press conference, and, you know, there's like a thousand people in there. What a story. I mean, it's just, I still don't believe it all happened the way it happened. And... Um, it was one of those deals where they were passing a microphone around to the different. So you had to raise your hand if you had like a one in a hundred chance to get called for a question. And he only there was it was only like four or five minutes. It was really short, which was strange, which was awful. Um, and I finally somehow got lucky enough to get called for the last question. So I'm like, all right, the pressure's on. I got to make it a good question. So you're supposed to say your name and affiliation. So I'm like, I'm like uh, Ruben Frank, NBC Sports Philadelphia. And Nick looks at me, and goes, Hey, Rube, thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it was how, so cool. How Tom Nick? Collected. It was just like it was. It, he wouldn't have been any different if I ran into him in the hallway at the Novacare during OTAs. <laughs> and that's why that's everyone why loves Nick. Nick. Yeah. And uh, so after the podium setup, we get led into the locker room, and the first person I go up to is Alshon, and he's like, "I need a minute." I was like, "You got a minute." But you were right. And he just smiled at a big Alshon grin. He's like, I told you. <laughs> He's like, what did I say? I told you that we're because he had the whole thing in Chicago. He was sure. going to win, yeah. win the Super Bowl. And then he came here and it, they did it. 
Uh, the first guy I went up to in the locker room was Corey Clement because at media day, I was joking with him. I told him I'm a, I'm a MVP voter. I said, <laughs> you know, if you have a big game, you, you might, you know, I, if, you know, I'm, I might hook you up. And then he ends up having 100 receiving yards, two incredible catches. And you don't vote first, second, or third, but I would have voted for for Foles, who did get it, obviously, Brady, and then Corey Clement would have been third. Oh, well, let's talk about that. How, how does that happen? Were they you get chosen as how many MVP voters are there? I think there were nine. Now that's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know how I got chosen, but uh, I think the PFWA probably. Okay, me. I don't really know. That makes sense. You deserve it. What was <laughs> yeah. the? Uh, uh, what, what was that? Well, when so you, did you have to give it in? And- so um, you have a piece of paper um, with uh, just your name. It has your name and, and affiliation printed on it and just says your vote has a line, a blank line. And you just write it down and they, they, they have like an intern or somebody behind you with like eight minutes left. I'm like, no, I can't. And like, yeah. and then with four minutes left, I think like, we really need your vote. I'm like, no, like, I'd rather not vote than then give pick it. Brady if the Eagles win. Yeah. And, and, uh, so, you know, I think after the Hail Mary, I, I wrote down Foles and that's crazy <laughs> that they do it like that. It is. It is because they, I don't know. They have to, you need to know who wins the game. <laughs> I know. I know. But, um, it was, uh, but yeah, but I just remember going up to Corey and saying, you know, you were close <laughs> and, uh, and what a story that was. Uh, the coolest part about the locker room to me was that obviously the trophies being passed around. Everyone's taking photos with it. But while we were in there, they played dreams and nightmares, which became like their theme song, but I'd only seen them listen to it like before games you'd see it but in the locker room normally it was just with them where right. they would listen to it but this was a rare case where reporters were in the locker room when they played it so you felt like you were in one of the videos that you had seen online for the last few months yeah. and players just went crazy I got a hug from Jeff Lurie and um, I was really happy for him I was you know I had a quick one on one with Howie I forgot about I that. I didn't really have a conversation with Howie that night, but that's another story for another podcast. But um, no, Jeff Lurie, he came over and, and gave me a hug. And I, I mean, I was just, here's a guy who, again, was, was so vilified by Eagles fans. Um, you know, for for what the guys, um, all he's done is bring a consistent winner to this city. It's not his fault they couldn't get over the top. He did everything as far as facility and stadium and signing free agents, spending money, and he wanted to win so bad uh, for gosh, 23 years that he owned the team. And I, I was really happy. He's a good man. He's done so much for the city, charity wise, uh, sports wise, football wise, Eagles wise, um, and and uh, I was just really happy for him. Yeah. So the the last memory I have from that night was they're passing around the trophy and uh, Corey Clement and LeGarrette Blount want to get a photo with it so they asked me to take a photo with it or with them so I, I grab their phone I take a photo of them then Corey has the trophy and he's like he like looks at me and like gestures I was like Corey no Corey I'm not holding that trophy I didn't win that trophy I appreciate it but you enjoy it <laughs> If you're a football fan, you need to check out this new game, Sunday Night 7 on the NBC Sports Predictor app. There's really no reason not to play. It's totally free. It has $2 million in guaranteed cash prizes this season with $100,000 up for grabs each week. Just make seven predictions about what's going to happen in the Sunday Night Football game for a chance to win some serious money. Download the NBC Sports Predictor app or head to NBCSports.com predictor now to make your Sunday Night 7 picks. I'm still upset about the, the guy who stole the tables from over there. but I think he works here. Um, we'll say that. The next morning, did you get any sleep that night I, after school? I didn't sleep. I remember 
going back to the hotel, just writing all night, um, taking a shower around five, doing a hit with the WIP morning show at six. I don't know what I said because I still it was still all surreal to me. And then going to the to the back to that freaking mall. So we go back to the mall for the last time for the Nick Foles press conference at eight. Little did we know that the uh, the the next year Super Bowl is Atlanta, and the Atlanta welcoming committee had a presentation oh, I to make. About that. That so was awful. The Minneapolis welcoming committee has to turn you know turn things over to the Atlanta. So they have all these speeches with all these you know big wigs and bunch of BS. And and we're sitting there, and you see Nick like peeking out from behind this curtain, and we're just and we have like my flight was like at eleven. Who's and um and I'm just marveling at what's going on over there at the stadium. There's Maybe it's like a. Is there like another college that might play here? Or maybe. Maybe they have like high school games or something. But anyway, there's somebody who's playing football over there today. But in any case, um, it was. It, we're just waiting for this press conference to end, and they're like, you know, Minneapolis has been a wonderful host city, and uh, we in the Atlanta Host Commission hope to learn as much as possible from. You know, th- there will now be a photo opportunity with the with the yeah, Minnesota I, Welcoming Committee awful. handing off, and they had a football handing off the football to the Atlanta <laughs> Welcoming Committee. And, and we're sitting there like, get me the freak out of this place. Uh, then Nick Foles gets up there and gives us the most memorable answer we'll probably ever hear in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, I, I asked him, what, what do you, how do you want to inspire people? How do you want your story to inspire people? Is that what I asked him? Yeah. It was incredible what he said. I mean, um, go go find that story because his answer is incredible. But he basically said uh, the failure is what made him who he is. And uh, I thought he brought up a really interesting point that day that, you know, in, in current culture, society, it's all a highlight reel, right? Like we have this social media and you post every good moment, even if things aren't going well you post all the good stuff and no one ever sees the bad stuff that that makes you stronger makes you who you are and he said that's kind of the important stuff and and you shouldn't lose track of that you should kind of embrace your failures embrace the times where you're not living that highlight real life and it got him where he was as as a super bowl mvp it was a really cool answer uh i i was i mean i was emotional i'm emotional just thinking about it i was emotional during his answer i was you know i was tearing up because i felt like all the BS stories I've probably written over my career, I felt like I was I was put there to ask that question for him to answer that way and to get that out of there, to get that, you know, like I know some guys were asking him about, you know, you guys ran a lot of 12 personnel in the game and, and stuff. But it's like there's there's a big picture here that I I had never really been able to quite put my finger on with Nick. And, and he did it just so beautifully. And I remember, uh, I think it was that Tuesday morning he was on like – Good Morning America or something, and they had that quote like, "Yeah, yeah you know." Um, that you was know. kind of my lasting impression of, yeah. of him Me too. In, in that Super Bowl. Me really. too. Yeah. And then I went back to a Caribou Coffee and tried to write. I flew back. I flew back, and and I was I was in Philly by like I don't know, like noon. I wasn't in Philly until the next day. Oh, my you, flight got canceled. That's right. And I I was at the the counter at the airport after my flight got canceled, and they were like, "We don't have another flight going to Philly." And I was like, "I'll take the next flight anywhere." <laughs> Just get me. Did you end up in Chicago? I ended up in Chicago, which was fine because my sister lives out there. I was able to spend a night and with them. And all the stuff I had left there for the playoff game, you were able to get. Yeah. Um, but I was. No, that was last year. Yeah, I was so sick, though. <laughs> and then I got back to Philly, and the parade happened, and I couldn't even go to the parade. I was I was sick as a dog. It all caught up with me. 
I remember flying back to Philly. I remember one, getting, it was like I wanted to get back so bad. I wanted to experience what was going on in the city. I remember yeah. talking to the players after the game, and they were the same way. Like, we can't wait to get back and party with everyone. Yeah. And I felt like I was missing out. Yeah. Um, I remember going back, and uh, I think the availability was Tuesday, right? Back at the NovaCare, I believe. Mm-hmm. But I remember, so I, didn't, I went back up to this coffee shop near my house where I work. I do a lot of, I don't work, I don't have a job there. I just write there. I'm not saying I work there. And, um, <laughs> You're moonlighting at That's my part time job. Yeah. But um, I'm sitting there, and it, so it's like one in the afternoon. And so what time did the game end, like that night? Like 10.30? Yeah. So the game had just ended like 13 hours ago, and I'm in a coffee shop by my house and somebody came in and said hey Rubes you see that game last night I was like (laughs) yeah I was at that game last night and uh, and you know it was surreal then and it's every bit Dave every single bit as surreal now just talking about it and it's really cool to be sitting here looking at the stadium and kind of remembering we hope you guys enjoyed uh, that little walk down memory lane a little bonus Eagle Eye podcast presented by Nissan you got anything else Rubes? No, no. You know what? The Eagles might win another Super Bowl in the next few years while we're still covering the team. They might win a couple. I, nothing will ever be like like that one. Yeah, it never will. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will catch you next time.